So this week, I, I want to kind of continue along the theme that, we, that, that I've been on for a while uh, of the functionality of the early church, uh, how they did what they did, why they did things a particular way, why they were so uh, effective at taking the message of the gospel to the then known world. Um, and so I'm kind of going to go over, because so, it's been kind of spread out uh, over the last couple of months, so I'm going to like recap a bunch of stuff and then move on to another scripture today that I didn't really want to preach about, uh, if I'm being honest, when, when I first read it this week and felt that that's where God wanted to go. I didn't want to and I tried my best to uh, find something else, but to no avail. So I'll, I'll, I'll move on to there, but I do just want to recap some stuff so we uh, can kind of bring it all together and tie together everything that we've been talking about uh, over the last little while. And I just want to uh, say again, I, I suppose, that, that the reason that I, I've been talking so much about the early church and the way they function and, and how they did what they did um, is, is not to try and say that the way that, that we do things has been wrong and we're terrible, but but to see and to understand how effective the early church was at taking the message of the gospel. Because there's things that we can obviously learn, and obviously thousands of, you know, 2,000 plus years have uh, passed since then. Uh, and you know, we, we looked at early on about how you know, over time more and more man-made things made their way into the church and more and more ideas of man began to take over the things that God was doing and the way that God wanted to move. And my heart is, is so that we, God's church, can get back to doing, the thi- doing things the way that he designed us to in the start and the way that, that he designed his church to because that was the most effective that the church has ever been in the history of the world. Everywhere that they took the gospel, people were saved. They were taking the message of Jesus Christ to countries and places that had never heard of Jesus, that had no idea what had gone on in Jerusalem, that had no idea about who the 12 apostles were or any of that. But the message that they took in the gospel of Jesus Christ still transformed the lives of many people in those nations. And Christianity is carried on in those nations for generation after generation. Why? Because the message that they carried and the way that they carried it and the way that the Holy Spirit worked through the early church was evidence to everybody who witnessed it that this God that they were talking about was the one true God. So that's my heart that we get back to not necessarily doing everything the way that they did it, right? Because generations have changed, okay? But understanding why they did what they, what they did and, and what we can take from that so that we, God's church, in this generation today can be as effective with the, with the message of the gospel as they were back then. That, 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 that we would be able to have a same or similar experiences to them where multitudes were being saved continually. Like, you, you can read that in the scriptures. It says multitudes were saved and many more daily were being added to the church. Why? Because that's how effective the message of the gospel was when it was being proclaimed by these men and women. 
So how did these men and women functioning as God's church successfully go about taking and proclaiming the message of the gospel to the then known world and beyond? How did the church, as it began to grow drastically in number, continue to handle all the challenges that came with growth? And that's kind of what the scripture that we're going to get to later on is is how they learned to deal with the challenges that growth brought. Because I think, as we can all understand, the more people that you have and the more people that you're trying to deal with and the more people that you're trying to take care of and the more people that you're trying to lead and teach, more and more challenges arise with that. And so the early church had to develop ways or come up with ways and and listen to God about, okay, so how are we supposed to do it now? This is what's been working for for this period of time, but we're at a point now where where this is beginning to struggle and we don't know where to go from here. And and so we're, we're, we're... We'll, we will get there uh, at the end of this. So again, we started a while back uh, looking at the absolute necessity of the Holy Spirit in the lives of all believers and in the church. The power of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit being present and at work because God's church is a power-filled church. Right from, from the moment that it began, from the moment that Jesus started his ministry, his ministry was power-filled. And there were miracles and there were wonders and there was all this stuff happening from the moment that Jesus began his ministry all through uh, the New Testament. and, and you know, all, there's, there, there's, there's evidence and all through uh, church history. Remember uh, a few months ago, maybe a couple of months ago, we, we were reading um, letters and, and historical documents of early church fathers and the things that they wrote about that the church was seeing and that the church were doing and there were miracles and there were wonders and there were healings and there were, um, you know, deliverances, there there was everything happening continually because the church was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and each believer was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and they had an understanding and a revelation that the filling of the Holy Spirit was not just so that they could have something nice inside of them, but the power was to be outworked to those around them so that the power of God could be present on earth and God's church could be the power-filled church that it was called and designed to be. And so us as believers learning to love the Holy Spirit the same way we love Jesus and the Father. In the same way that we love Jesus and the Father. In the same way that that, that song that we sang at the end, his, his name is Jesus. And, and again, it all starts with Jesus. But do we love the Holy Spirit in the same way that we would sing a song like, like that about the Holy Spirit? Because of what he's done in us and what he's doing on the earth today and what he did throughout the history of the early church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 1 to 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols wherever you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking... By the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences 
of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So the, the, the works of the Holy Spirit are necessary for the truth of God to be revealed to this, wor- uh, to this world. And His desire is that these things be expressed through His church. Holy Spirit wouldn't give these gifts if they weren't intended to be used and if there wasn't purpose behind them so that the power and the glory and the wonder of God can be revealed to the world who need to hear the message about Jesus, right? Every time the, the, the gospel is, is, is preached and every time like, the, the message is proclaimed, there should be power in the room. There should be power because God is speaking and the Holy Spirit is moving. These things, these gifts were such a reality and so common among the lives of the early believers and the early church. That Again, in, 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 the, in those letters of the uh, historical fathers that we read, they talked about them as these common things, just casually talking about, yeah, there was healings and there was people raised from the dead and they lived among us for years and these demons were cast out. It was just this casual thing because it was so common to them, the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit being outworked through the church because the rest of the world needed to encounter the power of the one true God. Because every nation and every uh, belief system, you know, believes that they have power and that their gods or whatever they worship have power. But there was no power like the power of the one true God when the message of the gospel was proclaimed. Because none of these other gods from any of these other nations could do any of the things that God did every time someone opened their mouth and proclaimed the message of the gospel. There was no healings. There was no deliverances. There was none of these miracles from any other God that was being worshipped in any other place, it was only the one true God of the Bible who empowered through the Holy Spirit the people, the messengers that he was sending forth, he had empowered them and given them these gifts so that the power of God through the Spirit of God could be on display to the world who needed to see it and needed to understand that the whoever and whatever they were worshipping was nothing compared to the one true God. There is a purpose in the gifts being released in the life of a believer, not, not just so we can say, yet we're power-filled and and all this stuff, but so that the evidence of the power of God is on display for the rest of the world, right? Which is why I said a, a few weeks ago that a powerless church is not God's church because God designed his church to be filled with power in such a way that it continues to proclaim the message of the gospel to all those who see and hear anything that goes on. So the works of the Holy Spirit are necessary for the truth of God to be revealed to this world. And it's to happen and be expressed through the church. Okay? And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking uh, at, at, at the fivefold ministry. So I'm just going to read this again and just, just recap it a bit. So Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 11 through to 16, says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, 
and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so we, we talked about and, and, uh, and we learned that the purpose of the fivefold uh, is for the protection and the edification of the church. The fivefold ministry, uh, working within the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, are given to the church to protect it. Because those roles continue to display the truth of God in his church. And it even says and makes it clear in, the, in that scripture that it's for the protection and the edification of the church. So that the church, so that the believers aren't... Um, aren't whisked away by any false teaching or false doctrine or lie that's being taught in some church that, that's that, that, or some, some man-made idea that someone has decided to bring before the believers or bring before the church and all the uh, cunning craftiness and the lies of the enemy. The, the five-fold purpose is a protection and the edification of the church so that the church is not led astray by anything that is not the truth of the Word of God. Okay? To edify, and we, we covered this last week, the, the meaning of edify is to improve something both morally and intellectually, is the meaning of the word that, that was used. So when it's talking about edifying the church, uh, it, 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 it's, it's to build the church and improve the church in such a way that, that morally the church becomes better and intellectually the church becomes better, meaning the church becomes more accustomed to the truth so that we know the difference between the truth and a lie when we hear it. That's the purpose of the fivefold ministry in the church is to teach and protect and lead the church in all truth so that the church isn't confused and doesn't head off down this path when it should just be heading straight, right? That's the design and that's the purpose. And, and to improve us morally so that by hearing and, uh, and, and living under the teaching of the true word of God that we improve our lives and, and, and we live morally according to the word of God doesn't mean that we're going to live perfectly, doesn't mean that, that that we're going to be blameless, but there is improvement in our lives as we sit under the teaching of the fivefold ministries within the church. And we kind of covered last week, and I'm not going to go into it today, but you know uh, that when we first hear those uh, those titles, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, we, we have a predetermined understanding in our mind of what we think those mean. But we broke it down to, to simplify the meaning of each of those. And at their core and at their base, they're actually very simple things that, that, that each and every person is actually capable of. Uh, so I, I encourage you, I'm not going to go into it today, but, but if, you, if you missed that or you want to go back to that, go back and listen to, to last week's one where we break that down. Because 
because they're not these big things that are only achievable for the highest up and the most holy Christians. They're things that are actually achievable for each and every believer. And they're for the church to edify the church and to protect the church. Okay, Which means that God has both designed and equipped his church in such a way that from the inside out, the church receives all that it needs to grow in intimacy with God and be the carriers of the message of the gospel to the world. So from the inside out, God teaches and encourages and edifies and protects his church. God designed it in such a way so that the church doesn't require anything coming from outside to build itself up. Because anything coming from outside of the church and outside of the word of God is exactly the things that that scripture was warning us about. So from the inside out, God builds and edifies and protects his church. The church doesn't need the influence of any outside thing. The church needs the influence of God and the Holy Spirit. The church doesn't need any outside thing telling it what to do, telling it how to be, telling it how to think, telling us what's okay to say and what's not okay to say, telling us what's okay to believe and what's not okay to believe. The church doesn't need any of that because we have the truth of the word of God and we have the fivefold ministry that God designed and gave and equipped his church with for its protection and for its edification. From the inside out, God protects his church. So the fivefold protects the church by bearing witness to the truth and by teaching the truth of the word of God so the believers are not swayed by falsehoods and false teachings. That while sounding good actually oppose the truth of the word. Yet there is still much more we can learn from the lives of the early church and how it functioned and how it grew and handled that growth in such a way that all aspects of the church, being the church, remain. This is the scripture that I wasn't too keen on on teaching on when when, when God first showed me this uh, earlier this week. But here we go. Um, Because it can just be taken the wrong way. I hope you hear and understand what it is uh, that I'm trying to say today. Holy Spirit, give me the words. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7 says the following. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying... There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, the man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, uh, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenius, and Nicholas, uh, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Then the word of God spread. See, this is interesting. Uh, after this, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So what we have here is, is, is two different groups of Jews. Um, the main difference being one group, uh, the Hebrews that's referred to in, in this passage, uh, were those born and raised uh, in Palestine and they spoke the native tongue uh, 
Aramaic. You know, they, they, they spoke that language well. Uh, and the other, the, the Hellenist, who likely spoke a lot more Greek, had moved back into the Palestine region during the dispersion. So that they were Jewish people who had been living outside of Palestine for whatever reason, but they'd now come back to Jerusalem. And, and so they spoke much more Greek. So there, there was discrepancy and there was... Um, there, there was arguments and, and, and an unsettledness between the, the two groups. They were, they were both Jews, they both loved God, but uh, the, the, there was a tendency for the true Palestinian Jews to look down and look negatively upon the Hellenistic Jews because they weren't as pure, I suppose, because they didn't speak the, the native tongue. So that's the, that's the problem and that's the issue that, that we have uh, uh, arising here. So the complaint has come before the apostles um, that, that, that this is happening with the distribution of food and the, 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 the Hellenists, the, the outsider ones, are feeling like they're being neglected within the church. They're feeling like they're, they're not being taken care of as well as the Palestinian Jews are being uh, taken care of. Um, so up until this point of the early church, it had been the apostles who were essentially over everything in uh, in Jerusalem, where, where we're talking about now, the apostles oversaw everything. They took care of every role. They took care of every ministry. They, they did absolutely everything. All the different areas of the church were, uh, that the church had operating was done by the apostles. And we can read in Acts uh, many times, and even at the end of the verse we just read, it mentions that the church is growing, the numbers are multiplying. So there are now many, many more people there than there were in the first days of the early church. And the apostles' response is very interesting and very important for the early church and, and for us. Listen, let's listen to the, to the apostles' response. So verse 2 to 4 of that same um, the same verse we just read. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of God, uh, seven men of good reputation, sorry, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So what had worked up until this point in the apostles overseeing every aspect of the church and everything that was happening, was no longer a viable option for the church. Because the responsibilities had grown so much to a point where their ability to spend time in prayer and time in the Word was now being severely hindered because of how much responsibility they had and how many people it was now their responsibility to take care of on a daily basis. It says the daily distribution of food. So this was a daily thing that needed to be done among all the other things that needed to be done as, as a part of the early church and everything that they were doing in the community, right? The, 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 the church had grown and multiplied so much so that it was no longer possible for the apostles to oversee everything that needed to be done. And we see from, from the scripture that trustworthy men full of the Spirit were given the role of overseeing the distribution of food to all those in need. So a decision had to be made. A decision had to be made by the apostles to, to let go of something that was hindering their ability to do what they were really there to do well, to spend time in the Word and to spend time in prayer. So they entrusted seven men of God, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, with the responsibility of overseeing the daily distribution of food. Okay? So the reason 
that I think God made this verse stand out to me earlier this week is because we as a church over the last 12 months have gone through many changes. Uh, and in fact, there are more changes that are still to come in regards to uh, the structure of our churches and who is where and who's doing what and who's overseeing this. That I'm just letting you know, and as Keith has said, there are more things coming and more things happening. And the reason is, because just as we see uh, from the example in this scripture, the early church reached a point where things needed to change so that the work could continue to be done effectively. And uh, I, I know and I understand that the change is often hard to grasp and, and, and understand, but let me, just, um, let me just use myself as an example. Right, the, the, the reason that I'm here leading this church now is not because Keith and Pika were no longer capable of doing it, but because the work that is in their hands has grown astronomically over the last 13 years and there are so many more aspects and avenues to what they're doing and so many more people who come under the umbrella of Ignite Life churches. I mean, we've got three churches here and, and, and nine overseas at the moment and that's growing and that's expanding and there's stuff happening. So from you, you just think about it from when Keith and Bigger first came when it was just uh, we, 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 were, we were Life Community Church, Yarrawonga, and what, there was maybe 50 or 60 of us back then to now there are you know, over thousands, thousands of people that are under the care of Ignite Life Churches who are essentially Keith and Pika's responsibility as the senior pastors over everything. Right? So the reason that I'm here is not because they are no longer capable, but because they had to focus their area of responsibility on the things that God is leading them into. And so it, it's become my responsibility in my area to take care of this church here, to, to take care of you guys, because that's a change that needed to come about in our church, because it would not have been possible for Keith and Pika to continue doing what they were doing here and effectively do everything that they're now branching out into and looking at doing. And even, even the whole Uganda stuff for Keith, like that is a lot of work. And Terry now has taken on a huge amount of that, but it was all Keith. But he had to change that and, and had to hand over some sort of area of responsibility so that it could continue to function effectively and the growth could continue to happen, Right. So for, 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 for them, for Keith and Pika to continue to be able to seek God the way that they need to for the future, they needed someone to take on the responsibility of leading the church here. And in the same way that the people that we have in different positions in this church has changed over the last 12 months and will continue to change because growth requires change on the behalf of the church. Things can't stay the same way forever. Growth requires change. Growth requires more and more people stepping up into positions of leadership and authority and responsibility so that those who are in those positions can step up and continue to do something that is bigger and so that the church can continue to grow. There needs to be change to allow all that needs to happen to continue. And, and, and that why, that again is why the fivefold is so important to the health and the life of the church. It edifies us so that we grow both morally and intellectually, so that we can understand and comprehend the need for change, to the, 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 the need that we have for change to happen as it comes, so that those who've been waiting can, can in the right moment rise up and take on the responsibility that God is giving to you 
So that the church can continue to be the church the way that it was called to be. So that the church can continue to be filled with power and filled with anointing. Because for that to happen, we need people who are spending time in prayer and in the Word. Because without prayer and the Word, there is no power. But there's no opportunity for prayer and for the Word if there's every single responsibility under the sun falling on a few people. It's like Karen was saying uh, about Eb. You know, she's so busy and got so much on her plate with the twins and a nearly two-year-old and just so much stuff going on that, that she barely has, has, has time for that because of all the other responsibilities. But when they grow up and when they get a bit bigger and when they can start doing things from, uh, for themselves, her ability to have that time for prayer and time for the word will return. But things have to change for that to come about. Right, And so it's the same thing in, in, in the church. If the apostles had not made this change when they did, the complaints would have gotten worse between the Hebrews and the Hellenists. It would have gotten worse. Things would have probably gone downhill. And, and the, things that the, the other things that the church were doing and that the apostles were, were responsible for um, were essentially would have just become things that they're doing half pie because they're not able to give the fullness of their attention and the fullness of their ability to the things that they were calling to do. Right? They no longer had the time, the space, or the capacity to do all that they were doing because of the growth that had come. Right? It's because of the growth that change needs to happen. For growth of the church to be sustainable, roles and jobs need to be passed on to those God has anointed. And so uh, my heart, and, and I bring this word simply as a teaching of what God is doing among us and has been doing for some time. Right? It's been going on for some time. But because that growth has not finished, in fact, it's, it's, it's barely started, we as a church, I believe, need to grasp the truth of this message. That for growth to continue to happen and for growth to be sustainable for the church, change needs to come. It will look different. It will sound different. There will be a different person here, a different person there, different because it has to. But that's why the fivefold ministry is so important because it, it edifies the church and gives us our understanding morally and intellectually of the things that need to happen and the things that need to change so that the church can grow with what God's wanting to do and the increase that God's wanting to bring. We all know, we all believe that, 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 that God wants to pour out His Spirit and that we're going to see many people saved. Right? And we're, we're going to have need for, for many people being discipled and many people being baptized. There's all this stuff that, 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 that's going to come because that's God's purpose, right? For people to be saved. And we know that He hasn't just, excuse me, planted us here just to exist the way that we are and just do what we're doing, but so that growth can come in His church because the message of the gospel is designed not to be held up inside us as individuals, but to be proclaimed to the world around us with power of the Holy Spirit on work and display because that's the, that's the church that God has designed, a church that is protected um, from the inside so that the truth of the message of the gospel can be expressed outside. Amen? Amen. I think that's enough for today. Let's, uh, let's, let's just pray. Father God, Lord, we do thank you for all that you're doing, for all that you've done. I thank you, Lord, for every individual here who is here because they had an encounter with you, Jesus.
And I thank you for every individual here who now, because of that encounter with you, Jesus, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have given each of us gifts and abilities that you are calling us to use for the glorification and the edification of your church. Lord, thank you that that you protect your church from the inside out. Father, protect your truth in each and every one of us, that we would not be swayed by any other false teaching or any other false idea, that we would not be swayed by anything that is outside of your church, Lord, that we, your church, would grow uh, from the inside out, Lord God, that we would be edified, grow morally and intellectually, Lord, because of what you're teaching and what you're doing here. We thank you for the fivefold ministry, Lord, that you have put in place in your church for that very very reason and that very purpose. And Lord, I thank you for the change that you are bringing and the change that you have brought, Lord God. And thank you for what still needs to happen. And I just pray, prepare our hearts and prepare our minds, Lord God, for what you want to continue to do in us and through us, Father. We recognize and we understand that this church, your church, as it is right now, in five years' time, won't look or sound anything like it does now, Lord God, because you want to bring growth and you want to bring change, Lord God. The people that are in positions will probably be doing something else and and you're wanting to raise up more people, Lord God, to take on the responsibilities so that the growth of your church can be sustainable in this place. And I pray that the message of the gospel that is that, that is within us, Lord, that, that we would express it to all those around us, that we would be that... <coughs> that doorway with light coming through it, Lord, that, 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 that people would come into this place and they would encounter you, Jesus, and begin that journey. That, that, that begin that journey that begins with you, Jesus, and, and just continues to grow and multiply into all the things that we've been talking about, and there's so much more, Lord, and we're just so grateful for the gift of your church, so grateful for your plan and your purpose and your presence in us. Lord, we love you. Use us to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.